welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. I love you all so much. And... um. On all our campuses, so I guess I'll be talking to you guys uh, here, but I'm talking to all of us everywhere. And so I even wrote us all down. I mean, any church that's got a campus called Savage. I was like, like, that is awesome. So I don't know where you are, Savage. It just sounds dangerous. So I'm just like, I'm loving you. You are my favorite, like just Savage. It just sounds like awesome. There is nothing chicky about that. But anyway, and um, a place called E-Diner. And I was kind of like thinking, is that a diner or is that, I don't know, but I love you all, e-diner chicks. And then Fairbo, Fairbo, Fairball, okay, Fairball, <laughs> y'all in Fairball, okay. And then um, Minatrista, I like that. It's like how we get people baptized in the Holy Spirit. We say Minatrista, Minatrista really fast three times and it's like done, whole deal. <laughs> Y'all don't freak out if someone's brought you here, okay? So, Minatrista, I love you all. And then, of course, there's a little little place called Apple Valley somewhere along the line. <laughs> so, you all out there have to love your Apple Valley chicks. Now, I've got to say, I've like been tweeting about you nonstop, and I'm going to take another picture of you all because I just think you are the most uh, courageous chicks I've ever met in my life because anybody that would come out in minus 20... And we don't like just come out. We're on five campuses. We're out the door. You can't see that. But the chicks are like out the door over there. And I'm like, the whole world needs to know that there ain't no chicks like Minneapolis chicks. That's all I can say. And um, I said to Lindsay, who was driving me here, I said, the Holy Ghost is just going to show up. I think I'm going to preach the best sermon I've ever preached in my 25 years of preaching life. Just because, yeah, I'm taking a picture because you're awesome. If you're single, this is a good time to smile because a lot of people are going to look at you. If you go onto my Instagram or Facebook, I do have a lot of followers and they will like you and there's a lot of single men out there. I would say now, forget eharmony.com, there's just chriscane.com. So, um... I was so naughty. I love being with the chicks. I had to be so good in church. So it's so, uh, so nice. Um, I love you all here and I love you on the other side of the screen. Don't think for one second that I forget that you're there. And I, I mean that really, that um, the fact that you all have come out tonight, I'll be ta- I will be talking about you all over the world, wherever I go. And I mean, you, you know, I live in California and if it like drops under 30 degrees Celsius, they think we're having like a snowstorm. So it's like, um, you guys are like unbelievable. I, um, I'm going to jump right into the word. I'm, I'm so pumped. I... Um, I've loved a lot of things about being in America. It's it's interesting being an Aussie chick. And um, one of the things is because I travel into so many different time zones, uh, what I do is I um, sometimes I'm up really late at night and you have this interesting phenomena in um, America called like infomercials. And um, it is amazing what is on these infomercials. Like I'm, I'm sitting there and there are things that I never knew existed. But I promise you, as I've watched this 30-minute infomercial, I don't know how I have ever lived my life (laughs) without those things. I'm like, unbelievable. But one of the things that really grasped my attention uh, not long ago was this this anti-aging show. Like, I mean, honestly, I watch this show on anti-aging because, like, we're all into it and I'm nearly 50. Do I look it? I hope you all said that on the other side of the screen as well. And um, and as I was uh, watching it, I saw that it was a $45 billion industry. And um, there was like more creams and things you can do to your face and yoga and green teas and dieting programs and 175 anti-aging medicines. And I was like cracking up a little bit. Because I'm sitting there thinking, what are you trying to do? Like anti-aging, it's an oxymoron because there is no way from the time you're born, sweetheart, you're aging, like it or lump it. And so, um, but I thought this world is so obsessed, so obsessed with kind of like, I want to find the fountain of youth. And I thought if anyone does, they're going to make a gazillion dollars 
because it seems like everybody wants to, to find this. Well, the Bible actually gives us the secret to staying forever young. If you're taking notes tonight on all of our campuses, um, I'm, I'm speaking about the secret to remaining forever young. How many want to be forever young as a chick in this place? It's awesome, I do. So I want you to turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 14. And the scripture tells us this in verse 6. Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephaniah the Kenazite said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses the man of God at Kadesh Barnea about you and me? I was 40 years old. Everyone say 40. 40. 40. <laughs> you all are so American. Okay, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Everyone say wholeheartedly wholeheartedly. I can't hear you on the other campuses. Up it a bit. Okay. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses while Israel moved about in the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. 85 years old. I love this. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Ariakites, and I'm like, reading this, Anakites, if you, you know, all those ites, bazites, kazites, it's like, seriously, they're all there somewhere. So just insert an ite. Where there were, were there, and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, ever since, because he followed the Lord God of Israel wholeheartedly. I love this. So here we go. He says this. He goes, look, Moses. I'm, I'm, I mean Moses. He goes to uh, Joshua. I am 85 years old. And you know what, Joshua? You and I, we've done a bit of time together. You and I, we came out of Egypt. We saw the Red Sea part. We crossed through and we stayed alive in the wilderness for 40 years. While people were murmuring, while people were grumbling, while people were complaining, an entire generation died in the wilderness. An entire generation that should have come into the promised land never came in because they simply murmured, grumbled and complained and they suffered from unbelief and fear and doubt. But you know what, Joshua? You and I, you and I kept the faith. You and I stayed focused on God. You and I came into the promised land. And over these few years that we've been in this promised land, we've won some battles. We've taken some ground. We have defeated some enemies. We've established the kingdom. We've done some amazing things. And I'm 85 years old. But I need you to remember, Joshua, that although I'm 85, you are trying to make me cash in my 401k and set up my retirement. But you know, there's no such thing as retirement in the Bible. There's just refinement. And so what happens is Caleb is saying, I I'm not ready to retire. I don't care what the magazines say about what should happen to an 85-year-old. This is pre-Botox. This is pre-anti-aging creams. This is pre-any anti-aging medication. There was something apparently that was strong enough to keep an 85-year-old man alive to say, I'm as young now as I was then. I'm as strong now as I was then. I am as vigorous for war and this battle now as I was then. I know we live in a world that is obsessed with youth culture. I know that we live in a world that is obsessed with anti-aging as if somehow age has got something to do with the wrinkles on your skin. But this text teaches us that age has got nothing to do with the wrinkles on your skin and it's got everything to do with the condition of your heart. It's got everything to do. It says that, the, that Caleb followed the Lord wholeheartedly. Not half-heartedly, wholeheartedly. Numbers 14.6 says, because the Lord said to Caleb, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit in him, I will cause him to go in and possess the land. And as I've walked with the Lord, tonight is exactly 25 years to the night 
that I walked in a broken young woman to a warehouse not much bigger than this in Sydney, Australia, before Hillsong was the Hillsong that you knew. When I walked in, couldn't think two straight thoughts. When I walked in and I didn't even know which way was up, somewhere along the line, God laid a hold of me. I walked into a building and I got radically transformed. I became a disciple of Christ and I was full on then. 25 years later, I'm 25 years older, naturally speaking, but I'm as young now as I was then. I'm as vigorous now as I was then. I'm still going to come out at minus 20, just like I did then. I might be married now and I've got two kids, but there's something on this inside of me that says, you know what? I'm as vigorous for war now as I was then. I am not slowing down. I'm going to be a super granny for Jesus. I'm going to have my kids catch up and say, you know what? Mom, take a chill pill. Mom, I wish you would slow down down because it's got nothing to do with the wrinkles on my face and everything to do with the state of my heart. And I'm going to be like Caleb that says, you know what? Moses promised me Hebron and I've seen a lot of good stuff and I got a great marriage and I got great kids and we built a great ministry, but Hebron is still ahead. And while there's still breath in my lungs, while my heart's still beating, while blood is still pumping through my arteries and veins, there is still a plan. There is still a purpose. There is still a destiny. Heaven is not ready for us yet. It is not time to retire. It's time to refire and it's time to get passionate about the purposes of God, young women. It is time to get passionate. And so he says, oh no, don't write me off. You can go cash in your own 401k. Oh no. I don't know what some of you in this room, you think you're over it. You think it's too late. You think it's just time for the young ones. And God's saying, oh no. Youth is a matter of heart. Youth is a matter of spirit. We need all the generations working together. A generation is simply a group of people that are alive at the same time. And we need the wisdom of the older. We need the resources of the middle. And we need the zeal of the youth generation to work together. The devil has always tried to separate all the generations and just build an, an idol to a younger generation. But I'm here to say that God is still the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God has always wanted all the generations to work together. And just imagine the damage we can do to the kingdom of darkness if we can unite the generations and say, come on, we are all still young in heart. We are all still young in spirit. And I'm going to give you some keys. What are signs of old age? So you could do a little bit of a checklist tonight to see if you're getting old. Because the interesting thing is that a lot of us are old, but we're young in age. There are some 19-year-olds that are much older than me. If I take anyone on the road with me, I've yet to find a young woman that can keep up with me. And I'm the one doing all the preaching and they're like exhausted in bed. And I'm saying, oh no, because it's an attitude of heart and it's attitude of spirit. You've got to keep your heart pure. You've got to keep your heart open. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flow all of the issues of life. Your weariness, more often than not, it comes out of a, a toxic heart, a heart that's weary. A heart that's full of anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or jealousy or guile or, 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 or hurt or offence or indifference, or insecurity. And when your heart gets full of that stuff, it becomes toxic and you lose your energy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 48 this year. And I pretty much most of my life since being a believer have confessed over my life always. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles, and guess what? They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I don't care what comes out of Hollywood. I don't care what they tell me about what I'm supposed to look like, what I'm supposed to wear, what looks hot, what is the sign of eternal youth. The, eternal, the sign of eternal youth is that my heart is pure and my heart is free and that there's still a, a, a glint in my eye and there's still a spring in my step. And here in, in January 2014, I'm still getting up going, come on, let's go and have a bit of a revival. Come on, let's believe God to save people. Let's believe God to heal people. Let's believe God to restore. Let's believe God to reconcile. I'm not getting cynical. I'm not getting critical. I'm not getting weary. I'm not getting tired because you know what I'm waiting upon? I'm waiting upon the Lord. Not those who wait upon Oprah. Or those that wait upon Dr. Phil. Or those that wait upon the next great thing. It's those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Christians ought to be the most on fire people on the planet. There's no reason for any of us to get old in our heart. There ought to be a glint in our eye. There ought to be a spring in our step. There ought to be something about us that is naughty. 
Now, not illegal, not immoral, not heretical, not unethical, just naughty. If you walk around and go like, oh, I'm a Christian, I've been sucking lemons, I'm, I'm just Christine, Christine, I've been in the way for 30 years and you look like you're so depressed, I'm like, get out of the way. I don't want you in the way. What we ought to have is a sense of zeal and life. People look, ought to look at us and go, what are you smoking? There ought to be something about us that makes them think there is something so weird. I don't know, if you're on the Savage campus, you ought to be savage. And there ought to be something about us where people go, what are you on? There is a world full of hopelessness. There is a world full of depression. There is a world full of injustice. But there's something about you that's full of love, that's full of joy, that's full of peace, that's full of kindness. There is a glint about you while everything around us is decaying. There seems to be something about you. And where is that spirit of Caleb in the church where there's a generation of women go, oh no, I'm as young now as I was then. I've seen some battles. We've taken some territory. Some stuff's happened, but man, I'm not going out without a fight. I am going while there is, I'm still here on the, if you woke up this morning, ladies, whatever campus you're on, if you woke up this morning and there was not a white chalk mark around your body, (laughs) that means you're alive, just in case you're wondering. If you woke up and you were not in a sealed bag in a really cold room, it just means that God's not ready for you yet. So stop wishing to go home and find out why you're still here on earth and let's get about our God-given destiny. Let's get about our God-given purpose. Come on. Let's do that. Yo, let's do that. I tell you, I've got the fire of God on the inside. Are you excited? Turn to your neighbour on every campus and say, man, that perfume smells awesome. Y'all are hilarious. I'm going to give you, I'm preaching away. I don't even know how long I've got. I'm not looking at the clock. I don't care. Okay, so you're ready. (laughs) I'm preaching myself happy if you're not. Like it's, like what's our option? Like a blizzard and minus a hundred. So we may as well just sit here. So what's, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) I'm so happy right now. You know, on the internet, the source of all truth, um, uh, on the <laughs> there are 45 signs of uh, getting old. And so I thought, you know, we might go into next week if I tell you all of them. So we won't. We'll just do a few until my clock runs out. So if you're taking notes, here is the, the first sign of, and we'll just see how many I get through uh, tonight. The first sign is that the energy, the strength, and the speed of the body decreases. The energy, the strength, and the speed. Have you ever noticed? Um, I've, I've flown a lot of planes. And, you know, like it's really, really bad when I'm coming up. And um, I love old people. You know, I'm going to be one. And so you just, the only, the only criteria to being old is just live long enough. So anyway, I, you know, but, but like they, they kind of go, so sorry if you're a bit older in here. I love you very much. But um, it's just like they, they go so slow up the jetway and like they're just like walking. I'm like, please God, don't let anyone know that I'm a pastor because I'm not about to act like one. And so, you know, I'm just like bowl them out the way. But anyway, so you, you notice they just start to get a little bit slower. Just, just the kind of like, you know, the strength and the speed, it just kind of slows down. Older people tend to get tired quicker. It's just something that happens. But I wonder if you ask yourself spiritually, it doesn't matter what your age is, do you get spiritually tired quicker? Oh, I can't believe it. And well, obviously I'm preaching to the choir tonight because you've all turned up. And, um, and you know, like, oh, I'm too tired to go out. Oh, it's too cold. Oh, I don't really want to do another meeting. Oh, really, do we have to redo another Bible study? Really, we all have to get in our, our, our small groups? Really, does another... And you just find yourself what used to just be, whoo, I'm up and I'm going. You're just tending to get a little bit uh, tired. You kind of want to sit back. I've done my bit for the kingdom. I'm just going to retire. I don't even know. The world is what has put in this system of retirement. You find me a biblical precedent for retirement. I can't find it. We're only in this thing called time for a vapor. Not long. Blink, it's gone. And so I don't know why we set up our whole life for retirement when we should be setting up our whole life to be lived for the glory of God so that we can get on and do what he's called us to do. And so the truth is that we have to make a decision. I love this. I love the fact that Galatians 3.3, I'm going to read it to you from the message. It says this. Let me put this question to you. How did your new life begin? 
Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose you would perfect it? Now, I know that's not blunt, but Paul generally isn't. But what he's basically saying is, you know what? You're trying to do in your own strength what started off in God's strength. So I wonder if you're feeling like, man, this is just so, I'm just weary. I'm just doing this. Here we are at 2014 and I still feel like I'm at the end of 2013. I still feel like I'm weary and here we go again. I wonder if you're trying to finish in your own strength what only God can finish. See, when we feel depleted, it's because we lost our sight of our source of completion. We begin to think our source of completion is our boss or our source of completion is our spouse or our source of completion is our friends or our source of completion is that degree or is that thing. And yet the Bible says those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And the source of completion is Christ. The more I walk with the Lord, the more convinced I am of Christ alone. It is Christ alone. That all our completion is in Him. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, For I am convinced of this very thing, that He, Jesus, who started this awesome work of salvation in us, shall bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jesus started this work of salvation in us, and only Jesus will finish it. And perhaps you're feeling depleted because you've gotten on the treadmill of good works. You've gotten on the treadmill of trying to do more to earn God's approval, trying to do more to earn God's love, trying to do more. When it's not about what we do for God, it's about what Jesus has already done for us. And as we learn to rest in the love of God from that place of grace, come the works that God has called us to do. And so what we need to understand is perhaps if we're feeling weary, if we're feeling tired, if we're just trying to do, do, do more, We need to stop and understand what's already been done for us. And when you get into that place of grace, that grace space, it's amazing. I don't do what I do. You know, it seems crazy as I look at what the Lord's growing around A21 and more offices are growing and more staff. But I am more energetic than I've ever been, less stressed than I've ever been. Because the source of the completion is not me. It's Jesus. I'm a steward of what he's given me. But my identity, my significance, my security, it's not wrapped up in what I do. So whether it happens or whether it doesn't, whether there's more or whether there's not, is not going to make any material difference to my everyday joy because my joy is to be found in Christ. My identity is to be found in Christ. My life is to be found in Christ. And when you find your identity in Christ, when you find your joy in Christ, then it doesn't really matter what happens around you. You are given the strength and the sustenance of Jesus to finish the work that he started in you. So find that grace space. As you find that, you'll find that you're a whole lot less. This world is trying to take, make us exhausted. Our value, our significance, our security, our identities from our accomplishments, from our accolades, from how much we can do. And it's, we're going crazy, girls. We're going crazy. We're trying to do more. We're trying to have more. And we can't make anyone happy. If we're single, we feel like a failure as a single. If we're married, we feel like a failure as a married. If we've got kids, we feel like a failure as a mother. It's just like we never seem to be doing enough of anything because we're still trying. We're on that approval treadmill. We're trying to get everyone's approval because the world has set up some kind of system of what success is and what approval is. And Christ says, it's just rest in me. Stop trying to do more for me and remember what I've already done for you. And when you rest in that grace of what I've already done for you, you're going to find a sweet space and you're going to accomplish far more than you ever thought because you're not trying to do it in your own strength. You're doing it empowered by my Holy Spirit. And so it's Him. It takes all the striving out. But if your heart is not right, and you're full of insecurity and you're full of fear and somewhere you've got some offense and you're still trying to prove to a father or to a mother or to an ex-spouse, I can do this and I'm better than you or some girlfriend that puts you down. You're going to have that constant competition going on in your heart and you're going to constantly be trying to prove something that God's not wanting you to prove to him. He's not looking for you to do more for his approval. He just wants you to know that he already loves you and from that place of grace, it is amazing what you will accomplish for God. But while you're on this treadmill, you are just going to make yourself exhausted. And there's a whole lot of exhausted Christians because they're exhausted not based on really how much they're doing for God. 
It's because their identity is based in their works rather than in what Christ has already done for us. And if we can find our identity and our strength from the accomplished, what Jesus has done on the cross, what he's already accomplished for us, then everything we'll do will flow from there. So it comes from a place of ease, not from a place of striving. You will get exhausted if you're constantly striving for the approval of God that you already have. You already have it. And so it will make you far more energetic when you come from that place of grace and step out and into what God has called you to do. The second thing that you notice if you're, um, if you're kind of like getting older is that there is a loss of flexibility. Now, my daughters do gymnastics. And um, I'm telling you, when I go and watch them at gymnastics, it is incredible to me. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know that the human body was capable of doing some of those things that my little eight-year-old can do. I mean, I'm sure I look at those legs and I think, this thing's going to snap. Um, this, like, it, it is unbelievable. Now, the fact is that when we're first saved, there's, and when you're young, there's this whole flexibility. In fact, at Hillsong, we have a, a mantra. We say, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be snapped. And um, the fact is that in uh, Caleb was extremely flexible. It was like, okay, manna today. Awesome. Fire now. Cloud now. Okay, now we've moved on into the promised land. We plant our corn and we dig our own wells. And it's like flexible. We're forever changing. But what you notice with older people is they like their routines. I'm telling you, my mother. Oh, yeah. The famous seven last words of the church. We've never done it this way before. <laughs> you know, I do a whole lot of stuff. I, I, I go back and I, uh, Nick and I travel so much to churches and some churches because God once moved on a song 50 years ago. Every week they revisit that song because we're still looking for that same move of God. So they're still singing Noah's Ark's greatest hits <laughs> because God once moved on some song. And so they're trying to suck something that has no nutritional value because the manna has ceased and God's not doing it that way anymore. And there's nothing sadder than when the church no longer realizes that the manna has ceased. God's not doing it like that anymore. God does things very differently in the promised land than he does in the wilderness. In the wilderness, you don't need faith. God just drops manna out of heaven. And then what we keep doing is, he says, I'm taking you into the promised land, so there's a whole different way of living here. You're going to dig your own wells. You're going to plant your own corn. I'm going to tap into the potential that I've put on the inside of you. But you keep trying to live like you're in the wilderness. And you keep trying to suck uh, some nutritional value out of yesterday's manner, the way I did it yesterday. But it's moldy and it's stale and it has no nutritional value. And you keep going back to your old systems and your old paradigms. You keep going back to your old methods of connecting with God. And God says, look, I've moved on and I need you to move with me. And we're doing things differently in 2014 than we did in 1914. Some people have still not realized that. And so, you know, he's saying we, we need you to, to move on. You got stuck in a moment somewhere along the line and you stopped being flexible. You know, I go home to, to my mum in Australia and she's just kicked over into that that age, you know, she's always been so youthful, but um, she kind of had a fall and it put some fear into her and now it's all just routine. And you don't want, no, we don't want the routine altered at all. This is just how I like things. And so what we have to understand is that when you stay young in spirit, that you know what, God does things differently. And you find yourself spiritually, if you are stuck in a spiritual routine that cannot be changed, this is how I like it. This is how I want church to run. This is how I want the service to run. This is how I want everything to happen. Then you're dying spiritually because God moves on. I spoke at a pastor's conference in Australia. And I remember speaking to the pastor's wife. And I asked her, one to the head denomination pastor's wife. And I said, how are all the churches and how are all the pastors on this, you know, in this portion of Australia, in this region? And I'll never forget what she said to me. She looked at me and she said, Christine... The pastors and churches in this part of Australia, they're a little bit like God. They're the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> and I thought, that's okay for God. But that's not okay for the church of God. In fact, when the church was birthed in the book of Acts, the Bible says that they were all in one accord. And what happened? They heard a sound like. They didn't even know what it was like because they, 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 we can't even describe it. The closest we can say to you, it was like a mighty rushing wind. I don't know how else to explain it to you, but I've, I heard something I never heard. 
Then I saw as of tongues of fire. I I don't know what it was. It was like tongues of fire because I'd never seen it before. And then I heard everyone starting to speak in a way that I'd never heard them speak before. You see, the church was birthed in change. They saw things they'd never seen. They heard things they'd never heard. They said things they'd never said. The church is not called to be a contemporary uh, mechanism in our world that continues to just echo what the world is saying. We ought to be a prophetic voice where we are still seeing what no one else is seeing, where we are still saying what no one else is saying, where we are still hearing what no one else is hearing. Everything about us ought to be progressive. We ought not to be chasing the world to catch up. Because we are not contemporary. I don't even like that terminology when people, it's a contemporary church because they wear really cool skinny jeans and they've got lights. I mean, really, (laughs) gag me with a spoon. (laughs) We are not called to be contemporary as if somehow the world is the head and not the tail. We are called to be prophetic. Prophetic. Never forget that. That's how you know you're young in spirit. You know, I'm a, I had my children at 35 and 40. So, I mean, I was talking to some of the team last night and we, we had grandparents day at school. And uh, because my kid's grandparent, well, you know, on Nick's side, his mother just passed away. So we have no grandparents on his side at all. We just have my mother left on my side, but they, she lives in Australia. So I thought I'll, I'll go. So Sophia, my eight-year-old, has got someone there at grandparents day. So I sat in a row and there was five of us in the row. Now, the other four were grandmothers, and they were all younger than me, just so you all know. And so I was laughing because my kids now are starting to realise that their mum is, you know, the age of their friend's grandparents. And so, um, which is a great inspiration to stay youthful in, in all of that. But the deal is I leave most of their kids they're mothers of their kids, which all of them could be my younger sisters. I leave them for dead in terms of energy and, and output in life. It's got nothing to do with the years on your birth certificate or the wrinkles on your skin. It's got everything to do with the attitude of your heart. But you know what? You've got to make sure you just don't get into ruts and routines. And so now I am two generations because I could be, I would be a young grandmother, but I could technically be their grandmother or my, my youngest grandmother. Therefore, there's two generations at least between me and her. At least, well, there's much more, but at least a parent and then them. So God has made sure that I'm going to have to always have remain very flexible. Because if I get stuck in a rut, it's going to cause me a lot of problems in their teenage years. It causes it enough anyway, let alone when you've got a couple of generations of separation between me and them. And so the point is that you've got to remain flexible. So when they come into church, what is normal for them, it just rocks my world because I'm 48 and I have an eight-year-old. And so how Sophia processes some thoughts that she has when it comes to church, I'm like, whoa, whoa. So I can make up my mind whether I'm going to become totally irrelevant or an active part of what God's doing on the planet by choosing to be flexible. And so you've got to stretch to be flexible. And that's why in Isaiah 54, and I really believe the word for the church in 2014, is enlarge the place of your tent. You've got to stretch, you've got to lengthen, you've got to strengthen your stakes. Now, stretching is painful, in case you've wondered. And most of us, the older we get, the less we stretch. Naturally, if I got you all to stand up and tell you to touch your toes, it would be scary. How most of you could probably only go that far, if that, if that. Shall we do a test? No. But the truth is, it takes a lot of pain to make sure that you continue to stay flexible. And so I want to encourage you to stay young by choosing to to not allow your Christianity to become so boxed that there's no room for God to move outside of your box. Because I think God is going to shock us in ways that we have no idea. See, we get so fearful. We get so fearful. That's another sign of, have you noticed uh, older people get really, really fearful? What is that? (laughs) Snow or rats? I don't like either of them, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) What is it? Awesome. We like the wind of the Holy Spirit. 
You can lie to me to make me happy. I don't know if it's happening on the other campuses, but I'm just letting you all know that there's like some noises happening up here. So we're either about to have a Holy Ghost revival or it's going to cave in one or the other. So just letting you all know. You all make me laugh. Okay. So what happens is, you know, older people, I, I, could, see, I could see it in my mum. That they don't want to kind of like take a risk. There's no, it's, everything's got to be safe. So you know you're old even if you're 20 because you are so scared to take risks for God. You want everything safe. You want it all just fitting in your box and everything has to be comfortable and I need to be married by then and have kids by then and I need to have this degree and this needs to fit in here and this needs to be safe and surely God's not going to ask me to do anything amazing. Because as if somehow Jesus came from heaven to earth, died on a cross and rose again from the dead to make my life safe. I mean, really. He didn't come to make us safe. And he didn't just come to make us, no, I'm just a nice little Christian. Jesus came. He did not come to make you nice. Gag me with a spoon. You would not go through that kind of agony just so you can be nice. Now be nice. But he didn't come to make us safe or nice. Because what? what safe from what? Safe from what? We're all going to die one day, aren't we? I know, I bet you're happy you came to church tonight. But you know what? Death is the ultimate statistic. One out of one will die. At some point, you will die. Life is the only thing you will not get out of alive. And so I'm not quite sure. Most Christians try to live their life as if somehow the purpose of life is to arrive at death safely. Ooh, awesome. I'm so safe and I'm going to get into the coffin safely. And so the point is, honey... You can all think I'm crazy wherever you are, but we're all going to end up there one day. And I'd rather get up there and God go, whew, you took some crazy risks, Christine. I go, awesome, better than just being safe. We're all here anyway. And so my point is, (laughs) some of you Minnesota chicks, We go, you know what, I, I, I want to play it safe. You know, you're a risk takers. Anyone that will come out at minus 20 in this snow, you're crazy. Okay, so I will be talking about you all over the world. So don't, I will. Because my point is that if you're taking less risks for God, then you kind of know, hey, I'm getting a bit old. You know, when fear is setting in, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So if you're feeling weary, If you're taking less risks, if you're feeling more and more inflexible, if you're getting a bit slower, I'll tell you another sign, if um, your sense of vision decreases as you get older. Now, you know, my whole family, including my eight-year-old, my 12-year-old, my husband, uh, last week, all of them got prescription glasses. And I just was reminding everyone at 48 that I don't. But anyway, that's just an incidental. (laughs) But a sign of ageing is that your vision is starting to decrease. You know you're aging spiritually when you really no longer have a vision for your life, for church, for the purposes of God on the earth. When you start just getting resigned, oh, well, this is how it's always going to be. And, um, well, look how bad it is politically or look how bad it is morally or look how bad it is. And you no longer wake up with a sense of vision, with a sense of purpose. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, without a vision, the people wander aimlessly. The nation's in the mess that it's in because there's no vision, there's no purpose. And so don't be surprised when people wonder aimlessly. I always wonder that, you know, we have told an entire generation, both in America and in Australia, we have schooled them and educated them without any vision or any purpose at all. Then we wonder why they're living like this. We've told them many, many moons ago in the eternal nothing of the nothing, two nothings came together and went bang and there it was, your great-grandfather. Awesome. You, you have to be highly educated to believe this. And so, you know, you, and, and then there it was, your great-grandfather, it was a cockroach. And, and the cockroach just crawled around planet Earth. It just had a genetic mutation one day and went bang, and there it was, the frog. And the frog just hopped around planet Earth for one day, and then it just had a genetic mutation, and there it was, the ape. And, you know, the ape walked around Minnesota on a very hot summer day, the one day of the year that it is, hot summer's day. It walked around Minnesota, and then it went to the, you know, hairdresser, had a cut, shave, and blow dry, and here we are today. And so, you you have to be highly educated, have a lot of degrees after your name in order to believe that. And so what they tell you is that you came from nothing. You live for no reason and you're going nowhere. And gee, we're shocked when we have an entire generation living like they came from nothing. 
that they're living for no reason and they're going nowhere, treating themselves nothing more than animals, treating each other like nothing more than animals, treating each other like they have no value, living immoral, living decadent lives. Why are we surprised when we've been telling them that for an entire generation? That's what happens when you have no value, when you have no purpose without vision. My people perish. I wonder how your spiritual vision is tonight. I wonder what you see for your life. Because when you don't see any purpose, you begin to compromise in every area. When you don't have vision for your life as a single, you'll end up just going and morally compromising because you'll try to do in your own strength what you want because you're not going to wait for God to do what he wants. This week in our small groups, we're going to talk about the decisions between the flesh and the spirit. We don't like to talk about that stuff much in the church anymore. We don't like to say, did you notice how quiet it got in this Presbyterian church? I don't know in those other four campuses, but I can tell you here, you could hear a pin drop. So anyway, the point is that, that we, don't like to, we don't like to talk about that because we don't like to talk about things like sin. Because we, we don't like to use that word. It makes people feel very uncomfortable in the 21st century. It's amazing to me. You know, adultery is not a sin. It's just a marriage problem. It's amazing. So anyway, we, we don't have sin anymore. We just have problems. And we've confused uh, tolerance with endorsement. We think, you know, that's the only way we show it, that I endorse it. And so, but if I had a bottle here with a, a label on it, um, poison, and I rip that poison label off, and I put on a new label and I said chocolate syrup. And then I put that chocolate syrup that's really poison in your refrigerator. You would think I was psychotic. Because the milder you make the label, the more potent you make the poison. And so what we've done to a generation is we've lied to them. We go, it's not really sin. And so if you don't diagnose the ailment correctly, then you cannot put the right uh, medicine in order to heal the disease. So if we don't tell a generation what really is wrong because we're too scared of offending anyone, we may as well said, go and die. We have the cure for the disease, but we're too scared to diagnose the disease because we don't want to offend anyone. So we'd rather you die and go to hell than actually give you the cure for the disease, which is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that gives us of all of our sin and so what we need is to understand that we need to live a life of vision and we need to live a life of purpose and so I wonder if your vision is increasing I could go on I've got a whole multitude of these but really my question tonight here we are January 2014 Caleb said I'm as young now as I was then Now give me this mountain that's my inheritance. I wonder on all of our campuses, I wonder if in your spirit you feel as young now as you were then. If you've known the Lord for many years, whether there's still that glint in your eye, that spring in your step, that sense that like your pastor always says, that the best is yet to come. That our greatest days are not behind us, they're in front of us. I am not going forward looking through a rear vision mirror. That no matter what happened behind me, you know, I I celebrate. People go, well, Christine, how can you have so much purpose? You were left abandoned in a hospital when you were born. Your birth certificate doesn't have a name on it. You were sexually abused for 12 years. And you know what? All that is true. And some people allow all that to define their whole life. But I'm not going to get stuck in one moment of my past. Because I was abused for 12 years. But you know what? I'm 48 this year. Which means I have not been being abused for 36 years. So why am I going to allow 12 years to define my entire life? Some of you. You've gotten weary and tired and old and your heart is toxic because you've allowed something from 20 years ago to come into your 2014. Your body's here, but everything about you is still back there. And you've got stuck in that moment of offence, stuck in that moment of betrayal, stuck in that moment of bitterness. Someone left you, someone walked out on you, someone used you, someone abused you, someone violated you. And you are allowing your entire life to be defined by one season of your life. And there comes a point where you say, I will not allow my past to define my future. Oh, the devil took enough from me. He ain't taken any more. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life making him pay for everything that he ever did. Everything that he ever did. So for some of you, it's time to drink the Kool-Aid. You're looking for your significance. You're looking for your security. You're looking for your value. From the latest plastic surgery, the latest shot of Botox, the latest medication, the latest guy, the latest sexual encounter, the latest accomplishment at work, the latest promotion, the latest salary increase. You're trying to find it because you desperately don't want to age, but you don't realize it's all inside. Those that wait upon the 
Lord, shall renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Friend, you can acquire, you can accumulate, and you can amass everything that seems to give you value and identity and significance and security. And you've got more and more people addicted and dependent on stuff that have got everything that you would want externally. The hottest bodies, the greatest access to the latest anti-aging techniques, the supposedly hot guy, the great career, the great money, dying on the inside. And we, the church, sometimes are selling out to exactly the same thing because we haven't discovered what it is to wait on the Lord. We haven't discovered what it is to get our significance, our security, our value, our identity from Christ alone. To understand that we don't need to perform for Him. It's not about what we do for Him. It's about what He's already done for us. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. You don't need to get old. And you don't need to buy the latest teenage magazine to learn how to stay young. You just simply need to renew your strength by waiting upon the Lord. Finding your joy, your significance, your security in Jesus. See, you and I are designed to stay forever young. Let me just throw a theological thing out there for you. Because when we're born again, although our body is going to continue to die, our spirit is born again. We are going to live for eternity. So we actually have the fountain of eternal youth because our spirit is born again. That's the key. If you're looking, friend, for the fountain of eternal youth tonight, I'll tell you what his name is. Jesus. And there's everyone in this room, in the overflow, everyone on the other four campuses that are watching me tonight. I want to ask you the single most important question of your life. Friend, are you living for Jesus? Because you're looking for your value through so many other things, but you will never find it outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. You were created by God for a relationship with God. And it's Jesus that connects us to God. And it's Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. Contrary to any education you and I have ever had, your great-great-grandfather was not a cockroach. And you were not created by accident through some big bang. You were created by God for a relationship with God. And he has filled you with God-given purpose and destiny. You will live forever. Make no mistake. The issue is not if you will. It's where will you be. And friend, outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you cannot know forgiveness for your past or a, a brand new life today or a hope for the future. But with Jesus, you can discover what it is to live forever. You can discover the fountain of eternal youth. The Bible calls it being born again. A lot of people don't like that phrase, but I'm reclaiming it. I didn't like the way I was born the first time. I was left abandoned in a hospital, so I like having another shot. The fact is that you get to be born again. And only Jesus Christ, friend, can give us forgiveness for our past, a brand new start tonight, and a hope for the future. I don't know where you are. I don't know which campus you're on. But I know that you're not here by accident. You're here in the divine timing, the divine plan, and the divine purpose of God. On this Sunday night, here we are in Minneapolis in minus 20 degrees. You're not here by accident. God has brought you here to draw you to relationship with himself. Some of you are feeling so weary. You're feeling so tired, so old, so fearful, so inflexible, so broken. From what you're looking for is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you, you once walked with God. But if you're honest tonight, you've been away from God, cold in your heart, perhaps even backslidden. Tonight, I want to invite you to stop running from him, to come back to him, to make your peace with him and to find your forgiveness, your grace, your love in Jesus. Some of you, a friend invited you to this place and, you know, she flat out lied to you, said you're going to a nightclub and you were like, awesome. And you're like, what is this? This is a Monty Python show. There's this five foot nothing little Greek yelling at me like, what is this? You're not here by accident. God's drawn you here, orchestrated everything on this planet to get you into this place so that he can tell you how much he loves you, that you were created to live forever. You were created to stay forever young, but you will only find that by being born again. You're not going to find that, honey, through Botox or another facelift or a younger guy or a bigger salary package. You're not going to find it through another award or getting in the sack with someone. The only place you're going to find that is in and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
That's what that hole is in your heart. That's what you're running after. That's what you're searching for. And tonight, you can know the reality of a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. I want every head bowed and every eye closed on every campus, everyone under the sound of my voice. I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to take a few seconds to consider where you stand spiritually tonight. Friend, are you living for Jesus? And if you're not, right here, right now, right where you're sitting on all of our five campuses, I'm not talking to the woman next to you right now. I'm talking to you. And if you say, Christine, I want what you're talking about tonight. Tonight, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ. Tonight, I want to make my peace with God. Tonight, I want what you're talking about, either for the very first time, or Chris, I once walked with God and I've been away from Him. And tonight, I want to turn around. I want to get my life right with God. I want to put Jesus Christ first in my life. Chris, I've I've never heard about all this stuff, but you know what? I want what you're talking about. I might not even understand it all, but I want a fresh start with Jesus. I want what you're talking about. Chris, I don't want religion. I don't want some boring religious obligation. Chris, I want to surrender my heart to an authentic relationship with Jesus. I'm tired, Chris. I've been doing this thing on my own for years, trying to do the church deal, trying to do the religious deal, trying to do the Bible reading deal, and I'm just flat out exhausted. I want this life you're talking about. Just say yes to Jesus tonight. You can know the reality of a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. If you say, Chris, I want, that's me, that's me. I need a fresh start with Jesus on all of our campuses in this room and on every other campus. If you say, yes, I want what you're talking about. I want to pray for you wherever you are. And just so that I know who I'm praying for right now, wherever you are, all across our campuses, if you say, yes, pray for me, Christine. I want to say yes to Jesus tonight. Wherever you are, would you just shoot up your hand right now and say yes, include me in that prayer, dozens of you. That's it. Keep them going up. That's here on every campus, every one of our campuses, all in here. Keep those hands going up. In Savage, put your hand up. On Edina, put your hand up. Febo and Minatrista and here, right here in Apple Valley. Keep them going up. Keep them going up. I see you everywhere. Keep them going up. That's awesome. There's at least 60, 70, probably 80 in this room that I could see, if not more. Keep your hands going up. All of our campuses, the Holy Spirit's drawing you to Himself. Keep those hands going up. That's beautiful. I don't care if you've been coming to church for 10 years or this is your very first time. You are either just in a religious rut or you might have never even heard this message of hope and grace and love. But tonight... You can know what it is, friend, to be born again into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus. This is wonderful. There are dozens of you with your hands raised that I can see. And I'm imagining on every single campus that Jesus is drawing people to himself. How powerful is this? How powerful is this? Keep your hand up high. Girls, we're going to pray together, every one of us in this room, with conviction. But all of you with your hands raised, this is your sign to God going, I am serious. I'm surrendering my life to you. And all of us are going to pray this in agreement with you tonight to say yes to Jesus. So pray this out loud after me, all of us with conviction. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand tonight because I recognize my need for you. I ask that you would forgive me for all of my sins. That you would give me a brand new start tonight and a hope for the future. I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we thank God for so many women on every campus that have said yes to Jesus tonight?